Hey everyone, welcome to Refinery Life Church. Welcome to the evening teaching. I'm so glad you're still joining us. It's so important that we meet more than just on a Sunday and we talk about the Word of God and we learn together and we grow together in His Word. And now, if you're on the Gold Coast and you're looking for a new church home, why don't you come and join us? We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 23 T.E. Peters Drive at Broadbeach. We'd love to see you there. We're a friendly church. Preach the Word of God. They're really the only two things you should be looking for. Also a church that's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. We're not entertainment-based. We're all about what God is doing. We are an apostolic and a prophetic church. So And you know, thinking about the cross is the theme for our Tuesday evenings for this month. As Christians, we live with the inspiration of a crucified and risen Saviour. God's gift to us on the cross motivates us, or at least it should do, to unselfish service. And today's message is titled, The Message of the Cross. Now these are messages that don't really get taught and haven't been taught for a long time. What is the message of the cross? And the text we're going to concentrate on today is 1 Corinthians 1.18. It talks about Christ, the power and the wisdom of God. Read along with me. I'm reading from the New King James Version, but you can read from whichever version you like. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That's the world. Maybe even some of our friends and family. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Hallelujah for that. We can stand on that word. And the scriptures we're going to work through are 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through to 25. So I'm going to read from verse 18 again. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, we're in verse 19 now, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world let's just pause there for a second has god not made foolish the wisdom of this world have you had your eyes opened in the last couple of years to see what's happening out there and to see what is to come let me tell you if you think the last couple of years have been bad get ready for the last half of this year verse 21 for since in the wisdom of god the world through wisdom did not know god It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Verse 22, for Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. Again, I'm going to say to you, get out of that Greek mindset. You don't need to know and understand everything. Get that Hebrew mindset. See where you are in the picture. But don't be like the Jews who are requesting a sign. Verse 23, but we preach. We This is Refinery Life Church as well. Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. We preach Christ crucified. Verse 24, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Hallelujah to that. Before we go any further, church, we're a giving church here. We believe 
in sowing a seed into the kingdom, to laying up crowns in heaven. So let's pray. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and not forget all his benefits. This is our prayer of recognition of your many blessings, Lord, and our prayer of release to your gifts of self and of money. To your name be all the glory, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray this evening. Amen. Amen. On the horizons of history, there are many mountain peaks that can be seen. I'm not talking about the seven mountains theology. That's straight from the devil. There is Mount Sinai, where God's people, Israel, received the law. There is Mount Tabor, where in Judges 5.20, they fought from the heavens. The stars from their courses fought against Caesarea. There's Mount Carmel, where Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal and God answered by Now, I believe, I absolutely believe that we are going to see more moments like that where Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal because the prophets of Baal are rising up again. Some of them are leading our churches and they will be defeated by fire again. There's Mount Hermon, the prophetic mountain of the transfiguration. But above all of them is Mount Calvary. No mountain towers are so high in its influence on people's lives and hearts and minds as that skull-shaped knoll outside the city wall of Jerusalem. Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1.18 for the message of the cross is foolishness to those perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The gospel is essentially the story of the cross and that story is God's message to the world. I've started doing these messages because we've just come out of Easter when the world looking at what's happening, some are mocking us. Some are thinking, maybe I should go to church. Maybe I should get to know this God. The message of the cross has never lost its power though. The cross is a divine event, but how is that? Let's look at some things this evening. The first one is the cross is God's supreme declaration to humankind. There's many ways of speaking to people. But his supreme way is through the cross. The cross is God's declaration of man's guilt. Here, the sin debt of of the human race is fully added up. The bankruptcy of humankind is vividly portrayed. If you're one of those people that sit in churches and thinking you're perfect and you have no sin in your life, Let me encourage you to look at yourself and start repenting because we have something to repent for every single day. Christ's death, the most undeserved and cruelest and crudest and and it's the most crudest conceivable death of all, epitomised the tragedy and the tragic condition of humanity. And remember 1 Corinthians 15.3, sorry, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Christ died for our sins and it was written well before the foundation of the earth. 
Anyone who denies their part in the crucifixion also excludes themselves from any need of or share in the redemption. Let me say that again. If you deny your part in the crucifixion, you also exclude yourself from any need of or share in the redemptive actions that come after it. We might try and analyze and philosophize about sin, but there's the only way to grasp its enormity is to see what it does. You know, we hear it all the time, oh, it's just a little sin, it's just a little white lie. You know, I only practice white magic. Witchcraft is witchcraft. Sin is sin. If it was sin in the Old Testament, it's still sin today. We just put a different name on it now, a different tag, a different label. We can't moralise our way out of it. We can't philosophise a way out of sin. Think of this story. A man was once drunk with his wife and his two children in the car. And though his wife pleaded with him to slow down, he wouldn't listen. He wrecked the car and he killed his wife and two children. Yet he survived with, without a mark on him almost. Two days later, he stood by three caskets. We see this stuff on the news all the time. We see three caskets side by side in the funeral home and he said, never did I realise how awful my sin is until I see now what it has done. Before the game of sin wrecked the world, God raised the cross of his son. And the first declaration of that cross is guilty. The first declaration that we should see when we see the cross is we were guilty. The cross is God's declaration of man's helplessness. If people could have atoned for their sin and guilt in any way, the cross would have been unnecessary. But they couldn't, could they? Jesus died on the cross because people had been rendered helpless by their sin. Look outside, you'll see people now, even today, rendered helpless by their sin. Morality and good works are not enough to settle humankind's debt. We know people who think that they can live a good life and they can feed the homeless. They can do good things for people and that's enough. Guess what? If they don't know the Lord and they're not living and working for Him, they're going to hell. People in our families, friends, Good works and morality are not enough. As the Israelites, bitten by the fiery serpents in the wilderness, had to confess their helplessness by looking to that uplifted brazen serpent, so must we confess our helplessness by looking to the uplifted Christ. Each one of us is not only guilty before God, but helpless to do anything about it. The cross is the power of God offered to powerless sinners. The cross is God's declaration of his justice. The nature of humankind sin called for the most drastic of action. The drastic action was God's penalty of our sin on himself through Christ's death on that cross. If God were to blot out our sins and remember them no more, he was faced with a problem, wasn't he? How could the law be satisfied and his forgiving mercy be made possible at the same time. 
The law says in Ezekiel 18.4, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, and the gift of sin is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There was only one way, and that was for someone who had no sin of his own to die in our place. Only the sinless Son of God met that requirement, and he died for us. The cross is God's declaration of his love. Man's sin without God's love would not have sent Jesus to the cross. God could have dealt with our sin in some other way. Had it not been for God's great love, he could not have destroyed sin by he could have destroyed sin by just destroying all sinners. But his love sought to save sinners. The cross was the only remedy. As measures the enormous the, 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 the enormity it also measures the depth of God's love, doesn't it? Pilate chose the words for the sign that hung on the cross in John 19.19. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. He should have written, for God so loved the world. It's the same thing. The cross of Christ, supreme declaration of God's love for a guilty world. My prayer is some of the world are looking back on Easter, that which we just had recently, and they're starting to see this. Our second thing this evening is the cross is God's supreme offer to man. By the cross of God, in his love, offers his hand to people in their sin. He's reaching his hand out, ready to lift us up. The message of the cross is the word of life. It is the message of salvation to all who believe. In the Bible, God's offer of love and healing is made plain. Sadly, not enough of us read the Bible to understand it. The caption of an old sailing ship, the captain of an old sailing ship, dying in his cabin. I read this story a few weeks ago. Knowing that his ship was too far from the port to be reached before he died, he asked if any member of the crew had a Bible. Reminds me of another story I heard from some old soldiers once that, you know, there's no atheists in a foxhole. When they know they're going to die out, they're not calling out for Allah or Buddha. They're crying out for God. So this captain asked the crew whether there's anyone who had a Bible. And the cabin boy was the only member of the crew with a Bible, just a young boy, brought to the captain. And looking at the boy with the Bible in his hand, the dying man asked, Son, can you find something in will help an old sinner who is soon to meet his maker? And turning quickly to Isaiah 52, the lad read early. And the captain listened intently and finally said, That's pretty, but I'm not sure I understand what it means. Then the boy with his mother's Bible in his hand became the old man's teacher. Sir, if you will repeat after me as I read again, I believe you will understand. And he read the chapter again, changing only one word. This is how he said it. He said, Surely he borne my griefs and carried my sorrows, but he was wounded for my transgression. 
He was bruised for my iniquities. He was bruised for my iniquities. The, the chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, I am healed. You know, we're allowed to actually preach like that to people sometimes. And suddenly the old man who had been following with a weakening voice broke in to say, wait a minute, lad, I think I have it. He was wounded for my transgressions and with his stripes I'm healed. That's it. I see it now, lad. Jesus took my place on the cross and he offers me salvation. The captain had caught the message of the cross. You know, more is caught than taught. It really frustrates me when I'm preaching and I see people drawing and looking around and on their phones and I know they're not reading the Bible. You know, take note. Being preached. You'll learn that way and you'll get closer to Christ. Jesus took my place on the cross and he offers me salvation, the old captain said. He taught it. He'd caught the message of the cross and accepting its offer, he had experienced the saving power of the cross of Christ. Now, I'm a not, not a once saved, always saved preacher. I've heard stories of people being martyred and at the last minute, they deny Christ because they think they're going to save their life. Guess what? They're not in heaven. They're going straight to hell because they, they denied the Christ. We need to be like this captain. The third thing this evening is the cross is God's supreme power among men. The cross endures. The cross of Christ knows no failures. For many centuries, the forces of hell have loosed their fury against the cross, but it still stands. The mightiest power among all humankind is the cross. The cross attracts, doesn't it? The message of the cross is still the most engaged message ever proclaimed. Why do you think it's banned in so many countries? Rhetoric and philosophy and the wisdom of the world all grow stale. But the proclamation of the simple story of the cross remains wondrously new and continues to attract our interest and our attention. The cross has power. The cross has drawing power. It has lifting power. It's a spiritual magnet of the world. The cross draws us from empty creeds and lifts us out of our sin. You know, few are chosen. Very few are chosen. We might all be the body of Christ, but that doesn't mean we're all going to be the bride. We've got to get closer. The cross is timeless. It is timeless in its appeal. The message of the cross is old, yet it's new in its relevance. It's in its urgency. You know, one of the biggest problems the church has at the moment is we want to be relevant. The cross is relevant. Go back to the cross. Don't try and create something else. Don't try and create more entertainment. Get back to the cross. Get back to the Word of God. It attracts people when all this fails. Why do you think some of the mega churches are emptying out and having so much trouble at the moment? We pray for them. Pray for their salvation. But they haven't preached the cross for years. The cross changes people. It's transformed Simon the fisherman into Peter the rock. It changed Saul the persecutor of the church into Paul the apostle to the Gentiles. 
as we finish up this evening, no other religion, and I will stand on this, you can challenge me as much as you want, no other religion, the power of Christianity, because no other religion is built around the cross with its message of humankind's guilt and helplessness and God's redeeming love. May we always preach Christ and Him crucified. And let me encourage you, as I do every time we meet, to be diligent with your Bible study time. We're sending the Scriptures out to you every day. If you want to be part of that, let us know. We'll put you on the list. We're reading the Bible in a year. Follow the study. And then we're sending Apostle Shenley, Refinery Life Church's daily decrees out. Be part of that church. Because God has so much more for us than just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the Word. When you come with God, your life will change in a way. Because our God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him, and He can make you whole, spirit, soul, and body, if you allow Him to. And you're important to God. You know that already. But you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal His promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about and need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. This year we're believing, and we, we know we're seeing it, as a year of divine recovery and divine restoration. At Refinery Life Church, it is no longer business as usual. So it's time to move forward, church. And until next time, stay in the blessings.